Hello, and welcome to this audio edition of Philip Pusher's program notes for upcoming concerts by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. I'm Rich Caparella, and concerts on Thursday, December 9th through Saturday the 11th feature guest conductor Andres Arozzo Estrada and violin soloist Hilary Hahn. The program includes Haile Serenata by Gabriel Elena Frank, Violin Concerto by Antonin Dvorak, and Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony. Here are Philip Pusher's program notes on Gabriela Lena Frank's Haile Serenata, a work lasting about eight minutes. Gabriela Lena Frank's parents met when her father, an American of Lithuanian Jewish descent, was a Peace Corps volunteer in Peru in the 1960s. Her mother is of Peruvian and Chinese ancestry. Although she was born in Berkeley, California, and was trained as a composer in the United States at Rice University and the University of Michigan, Frank has chosen to explore her multicultural heritage in her music. Frank's compositions have long reflected her interest in musical identity. Peruvian music is so diverse that Peruvians themselves argue about what is truly Peruvian, Frank has said. From town to town, people argue about who owns the true huayno, which is a quintessential Indian form. She has collaborated with Peruvian ethnomusicologist Ro Romero in recording the piano music of indigenous composers of coastal and Andean Peru. She regularly travels throughout South America, continuing her studies of Latin American folklore, poetry, mythology, and native musical styles. But Frank's background is even more complex. At the age of four, she was diagnosed with high, moderate, near-profound hearing loss, an extraordinary condition for a child destined to play piano and compose and become one of the leading voices in contemporary music. In 2017, Frank founded the Gabriela Lena Frank Creative Academy of Music, hosted on her 15-acre farm in Mendocino County, California, to foster diverse compositional voices. Its activities have largely gone online during COVID-19. In October 2020, she was given the prestigious Heinz Award for her longtime advocacy of diversity in the arts and for the way her own compositions, which embrace the many strands in her background, demonstrate her wide-ranging embrace of various cultures. As the Heinz Award acknowledged, she stands in a unique position today for weaving Latin American influences into classical constructs and breaking gender, disability, and cultural barriers in classical music composition. For a woman of Latino descent with the disability of hearing loss, building a successful career as a composer was fraught with obstacles. But after earning a doctorate at the University of Michigan, Frank's life as a composer took off. She started to receive commissions regularly, and her works began to get frequent performances. She has served as a resident composer for many organizations, including the Detroit Symphony Orchestra and the Houston Symphony. In the process, as she has been embraced by the music community, she has become more aware of what it means to be an outsider. She's also learned to put her deafness to the service of her music. When pressed by a deadline, she regularly takes off her hearing aids and enjoys the benefits of silence for a few days. In the absence of sound, my imagination goes to different places, she told the New York Times recently. Not surprisingly, she has wonderful insights into the ways hearing loss influenced Beethoven's work, the ways he encoded his deafness in his music, how his piano writing changed as his hearing receded. 
Frank's music is not unfamiliar to Chicago Symphony audiences. In 2008, as part of its Echoes of Nations celebration, the orchestra performed Frank's Eliapa, a tone poem for flute and orchestra that depicts a moment in the life of the powerful weather god from the ancient South American Andean culture. Her Tres Homenajes Compradazzo was played on a Music Now concert in May 2012. Haile Serenata for String Orchestra, which is receiving its premier performances this week, was commissioned by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. And here is Gabriela Elena Frank on her Haile Serenata. In October 2011, my mother and I visited the highland city of Cajamarca, Peru, the site of the Inca Empire's defeat by the Spanish in the northern Andes. The proud city's mix of pre-Hispanic archaeological sites with colonial religious architecture was the dignified backdrop to cantadores mezitos, or mixed-race singers, accompanying themselves on guitars while praying to ancestors. Their mix of Quechua, the indigenous language of the Incas, and Spanish is reflected in the title of the short work. Haile means prayer in Quechua, a brief serenade to the past. Words by Gabriela Lina Frank and program notes by Philip Huscher on Frank's Haile Serenata. And now on to Antonin Dvorak's Violin Concerto in A Minor, a work lasting about 31 minutes. The year the Chicago Symphony was founded, the orchestra gave the American premiere of an important new work during its third week of concerts. The program book for October 30, 1891, exactly 14 days after the orchestra's inaugural concert, lists Dvorak's Violin Concerto as new, and the program annotator, like anyone else writing about contemporary music, hedged his bets on Dvorak's future reputation. Of the Bohemian composer's recent decision to relocate to the United States, a new world he would later famously depict in a symphony, he said only, It remains to be seen to what extent the influences of another civilization may affect his musical expression. Dvorak was hardly unknown at the time, even if he hadn't yet written some of the works on which his reputation rests today, including the New World Symphony and the Cello Concerto. In fact, Theodore Thomas, the Chicago Symphony's founder and first music director, picked Dvorak's Huzitska Overture as the final work on the orchestra's very first concert. And later that season, Thomas programmed more Dvorak, the Scherzo Capriccioso, one of the Slavonic Rhapsodies, and the D Major Symphony, number six, but then known as number one, that was composed the same year as the Violin Concerto. Dvorak's Violin Concerto, little more than a decade old when the Chicago Symphony introduced it, is the second of the composer's three concertos, following one for piano, written in 1876, and preceding the great cello concerto by some 15 years. Dvorak had learned to play the violin as a small boy, and he also composed marches and waltzes for the village band. In Zlonica, he studied piano, organ, and viola, eventually becoming a decent enough violist to earn a living as an orchestra musician when he couldn't make any money from his compositions. After he moved to Prague in 1857, he became principal viola in the orchestra for the new Provisional Theater, later the National Orchestra. For the rest of his life, he treasured the memory of playing a concert given there in 1863 under his idol, Richard Wagner that included the overture to Tannhäuser, the prelude to Tristan und Isolde, and excerpts from Die Meistersinger and Die Valkyra. 
In 1871, Dvorak left the orchestra to devote more time to composition, but he soon realized that he would have to teach to get by. For many years, his father doubted the wisdom of his son's choice of music over the life of a butcher, the family business. Then, in 1873, Dvorak's works began to attract attention. The successful premiere of his patriotic cantata Heirs of the White Mountain on March 9th launched his fame in his homeland. Later that year, he married Anna Chermakova, the sister of the Prague actress Josefina, who had, nearly a decade before, rebuffed his advances. Like Mozart and Haydn, he married not his first love, but her sister. In 1874, Dvorak took stock of his situation. He had begun to taste success. His wife was pregnant with their first child, and he looked forward to the pleasures, comforts, and traditions of family life. But he craved recognition, and he needed money. In July, he entered 15 of his newest works in a competition for the Austria State Music Prize, a government award designed to assist struggling young artists. The judges were Johann Herbeck, the director of the Imperial Opera in Vienna, Eduard Hanslick, the man of famous, often caustic opinions, and one of the most influential critics of the 19th century, and then also sitting on the panel for the first time, Johannes Brahms, the biggest name in Viennese music. Dvorak won the first prize of 400 golden, and he felt a kind of encouragement and validation that money can't buy. The citation praised his genuine and original gifts and noted, not unfairly, that he possessed an undoubted talent, but in a way which as yet remains formless and unbridled. He competed and won again the next three years in a row. It was Brahms who introduced Dvorak to violinist, composer, conductor Josef Joachim, who encouraged Dvorak to write a violin concerto. Joachim gave the premiere of Brahms' violin concerto on the first day of 1879, shortly before Dvorak started to compose his. It was a banner year for violinists. When Dvorak sent Joachim the manuscript of his new score that November, the violinist mailed back pages of suggested improvements. And by May 9, 1880, Dvorak told his publisher that he had redone the entire concerto accordingly, quote, without missing a single measure, unquote. Joachim made still further changes to his solo part. Although the work proves that you know the violin well, he wrote, certain details make it clear that you have not played it yourself for some time, and then arranged for a run-through in Berlin in November 1882. But he never played the concerto in public. The premiere was given nearly a year later in Prague by František Ondřejček. Plans for Joachim to perform it in London in 1884 fell through. It's clear from the powerhouse opening of this work that Dvorak knew and admired Brahms' new violin concerto. Brahms later returned the compliment after hearing Dvorak's cello concerto. He's reported to have said, Why on earth didn't I know that one could write a cello concerto like this? Had I known, I would have written one long ago. The entire first movement is serious and dramatic, and for all its richness of color and harmony, it's still classical in formal outline. A short cadenza leads the way to the spacious, gloriously lyrical adagio, nearly as long as the symmetrically scaled first movement. 
The sparkling finale is one of the composer's best, and the proudly Czech turn of its themes and syncopated rhythms suggest that for all his fascination with America, Dvorak was still something of an old-world composer. A postscript. Since introducing Dvorak's Violin Concerto to America, the Chicago Symphony has given the U.S. premieres of more than 300 works, including Bruckner's Ninth Symphony, The Sorcerer's Apprentice by Dukas, Elgar's Enigma Variations, four tone poems by Strauss, Till Eulenspiegel, Also Sprach's Arthustra, Don Quixote, and Ein Heldenleben, Sibelius's Second Symphony, Schoenberg's Five Pieces, Mahler's Seventh Symphony, Holst's The Planets, Prokofiev's Scythian Suite, Bartok's Second Piano Concerto, Boulez's Livre pour Cord, Esapekka Salonen's Insomnia, and most recently, Thea Musgrave's Autumn Sonata. Program notes by Philip Husher on Antonin Dvorak's Violin Concerto. I'm Rich Caparella. Thanks for listening. <laughs>